It is Saturday the 23rd of July 2022 and this is episode 413 of Digital Outbox. Welcome along. We still exist. We still do exist. I am Chris. A little while since we've last spoken to you. And Ian, you're maybe a year older by now, but uh, yeah, still in the same uh, seat as ever. Not yet. Still a a youthful 48. Still, (laughs) so, so not a year older. But nevertheless, yes, we have been away for a little bit. Uh, Little things uh, popped up here and there, but we are back up and rolling, ready to bring you not all the news that's happened since last time, because that led to a 53 page uh, page note monstrosity. So we uh, will just pick out the the highlights of what's been happening since we last uh, spoke. Um, And we did indeed miss a WWDC, which would normally be uh, something we would cover in depth. But uh, from a a bit of a distance now, since that happened, um, sort of, I think, was it was it in the beginning of June that took place? Yeah. So (laughs) it's actually quite nice to come back to it and think, actually, what were the big headlines that came out of that? And actually thinking, well, only a few things, really. Uh, yeah, I mean the public beta. So that's how that's how long ago this was. So it's been. I think they're on, think they're on to develop a beta three and the public beta. So, um, iOS sixteen. There was lots of talk about new look and feel, but basically a new lock screen. Um, and they're doing clear- with a kind of three D effect, right? So yeah. you could, like photos could appear over the top of um, some of the background widgets. Yeah, so you can like pick out a you know like a I don't know family member or a pet or something in the front. And the text then sits in a different layer, and then the rest of photos behind. Uh, and you can have widgets, and if you think the widgets are almost like the notifications on the watch, it's very similar to that kind of note, not, you know, watch notification. Um, lots of people think this will be the first always-on screen. And so one of the new iPhones later this year probably have an always-on screen, and that's why they've wow. done that that kind of little notification type bit as well. Are you sure about that? Is that, that sounds like a rumor too far to me? Sounds yeah. sci-fi stuff. Unless it's e-ink, they're doing something. No, but well, the um, this this piece of nonsense. So I says I'm just holding Christmas Samsung work phone. It's it's going always on screen, but not fully. Not lit fully on. Time. Not well. No, it is. It is always on, hmm. and then the the clock and the time move around. Um. So I think I think they will probably do something like that. Um, and whether it'll be that the photo's not displayed or it's just taking the you know the, the time plus your you know little notifications or little you know, little widgety things and developers are certainly focusing on what those little widgets can can show you know so all right well interesting it's a it's like a step change um I guess you know we've had widgets on Androids on home screens stuff for a while but yeah the 3d effect was quite an interesting one and you could go with themes and color schemes and stuff like that which you know tie everything together in a nice appley type way um yeah and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pull out a couple of other things that kind of caught my eye so um something that if you're on, a, an, on apple the home app has always been a bit of a car crash you know for all the home type automations mm-hmm. and, as, and as you get more and more devices it got worse to use um, and that's been redesigned um, so hopefully it makes it because I, I i end up using a third party app just because it so that's to tie all your thermometers your lights cameras anything else you've got yeah. in your kind of automated home style okay yeah. so i think that 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 should be that should be nice i'm skipping there i mean there's lots that, as usual there's lots in ios there's lots across all the platforms 
Um, the one that was a surprise was CarPlay. It's usually just got an update saying, here's some, you know, here's a here's a different display or here's how it looks. But they, they kind of did a, to me, they pulled a Google and they said, here's a next-gen CarPlay. Um, it's not going to be next year, so it's probably the year after, but it basically shows all the cars, you know, settings. So, so again, if you want to control, um, you know, if you want to see your speedometer, if you want to control the heating if you want to you know do other things so rather than just being the audio entertainment and some apps around maps um it's a far more deeply integrated and vehicles will start yeah. to be announced late next year with this new version of carplay obviously it takes a little while to warm up to it uh, but i guess there is this is going to be deep api integrations between how cars operate and what apps i guess everything is now digital so it has the option to do that um and, and i think i mean they highlighted in their show carplay isn't it well carplay or android play or whatever the your flavor of phone and car combination is turning to be quite an important uh, piece of tech uh, collaboration and it seems like cars car manufacturers know that as well but yeah having uh, you, you know that's that interface drive your whole dashboard i'm just yeah i'm not sure uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, and I know I know so Tesla is one of the kind of famous um will not adopt CarPlay, you know, and lots of their customers do want it. Um but they kind of force their own entertainment system, the phones their own touch interface. They see that as being, you know, absolutely critical. Um so yeah, we'll see we'll see cars end of next year. So it feels like something could ease us up into twenty twenty four. It's 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 quite a step change. Um other other things to call out um, it was probably the Mac. Um, so we saw the M2 an, an announced um, and we saw the first products to use an M2, which was the new MacBook Airs, which are now actually, you can, well, you could have bought them a few weeks ago. Um, I think if you order it today, you're, you're probably two, three months out because they seem to be just tough with That is such delivery. a... I just think they're popular. They've, people have been waiting for this laptop. You know, that ultimately, not everyone wants a MacBook Pro. This has got an M2 chip in. It's a fairly, it's a fairly easy decision for a lot of people. This is is the right bit of kit. And I know they've also put the M2 now into the MacBook Pro, the 13 inch MacBook Pro. But ultimately, yeah, it's the right bit of kit. They actually all they look very similar. Um, you know, because they've they the old MacBook Air was that wedge shape, but this they've kept as a sort of brick shape um consistent so the, the the two don't really look that dissimilar from the outside no but i think this this uh, there's an industrial design about this that kind of ties in with the newer macbook pros as well so it's got the kind of round feet um, and i think there's just a lot of similarities it's got the magsafe port but that's what i mean you're it's, yeah. a, it's virtually the same thing it's yeah. just i don't know if we're missing a couple of ports i can't remember what we've missing off of you're, this really but i think you're missing one one of the thunderbolt kind of slash usb-c ports i think the biggest differentiator is the screen and then ultimately, I think it's maybe some of the power of the, you know, the, the SSD is not as fast. So there's, there's there's some things start to step up and you, you realize that's why there's you know, a grand's worth of difference here. Uh, there's a grand's worth of difference. And performance wise, I think people have said that that SSD slightly being slower does make quite a big difference to the, you know, your day to day performance. So, again, quite a, I guess, a clever thing, which won't be noticeable to someone just using a web browser. But if you are busy codecing videos or whatever you're doing you, you will notice that difference in the speed of the pro the the, the ssd yeah uh, and like like the other macbook Air, so it's fanless as well um actually and it's been it's been really well reviewed you know so it's again well reviewed product i'm actually doing apple the service you could order one today and you'll get it between 10th and 17th of august so it's not too bad that's about three yeah, not too bad at all yet yep 
Um, so yeah, it came with some came with some new colours, but the new colours I thought were pretty uninspiring because usually the airs, you know, we, we saw the uh, the new IMAX and they had all those kind of fresh pastel colours and the, alongside the kind of standard you can get it in silver. Um, and these ones, it's it's kind of like you know space grey. Shades of grey. Yeah, and and I think the the new colour is this one that's called Midnight, which is actually a deep blue. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemingly picks up lots of fingerprints, but people people love its look. Uh, but I just think you're going to see next year or year after it'll be the same design. But here's all the pastel colours will come. Here's yeah, here's the poppy colours for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the last thing to call out, um, and we saw it first on on the kind of Mac demo, was something called Stage Manager. It's a new way to keep Windows automatically organised. But when you saw that, it was like, I don't think Macs need this, but but iPads definitely do. And so sure enough, when they when they, when they closed on iPad OS, um, not only was there a kind of focus on collaboration, and there was a, a new kind of app called Freeform, which which was all about you know whiteboarding and working with people and bringing in content. But stage manager is 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 come to iPad and this is its you know this is its kind of like probably third attempt or pro- first proper attempt to do windowing properly on an iPad um, and there was a I'm kind of underplaying the amount of you know under the hood updates to iPad OS but I mean it's really powerful. You've been saying for a while it's needed that kind of additional control and it does sound like they've come up with this stage manager concept which they can use across Mac and follow it into iPad whilst sort of tweaking how it works to to fit that iPad sort of environment. The the same hardware now as the MacBooks. You know, there's no the the hardware's not any different apart from it's a touch interface. Um, So it's the software that's been holding it back. So it'll be interesting to see how this actually lands. Um, It's not on by default. So I think I think that says everything from Apple's perspective around they still think that the majority of people don't need this because that's yeah. not what you buy an iPad for. No, and they're in a really tricky position of, yes, it's not like it's supposed to be this laptop sort of replacement. It's supposed to be something slightly different, although they've touted it for many years as capable of doing that. And I guess this is a nice way of them saying, well, if you want to turn on that extra functionality, if you are using it with a sort of interface like a keyboard and a mouse potentially, then, yeah, you can do it. And and, and the features only for M1. I guess this is probably the thing that picked up the kind of most smell was the fact that even though, so my iPad's like four or five year old and just everything you throw at it works, but not Stage Manager. So Apple have said it's M1 iPads only. And you always find that, don't you? They have to have a dividing line somewhere. I guess from from their perspective as well, it means you have to multi compile and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it does help. But, but yeah, I, you know, you are at that age now where they want you to get the new hardware. And, and I was likely to be, you know, it was one of those things where an, an iPad was either going to be later this year, next year, anyway. You know, it's just it's four or five year old. That's equally stage manager is not going to be divide. It's not going to be a deciding factor of doing that anyway. So you know. no, no. But I think I think just the way I use it and and how I use it. And again, I've got an interesting choice to make around. Is it that or a you know an iPad Air? Not an iPad yeah, Air, an iBooker, you know, because that uh, might be the option. And I've got my MacBook Pro and I've got an iPad, you know, one of the newest um, iPads. And iPad has not leaked its way into my life like the old one did. So whereas That's I, the the other one came downstairs with me, I, I have very good uses for that iPad, but I use it for work and what I do and that side of things. I haven't, I've not sat downstairs and had it with me on the sofa and all those kind of things. So you my don't... phone is perfectly good for all that kind oh, of stuff. That's so you don't use it as a consumption device at all? There's no... Uh, only when I'm away from home 
um I'm and just... that's with work and usually not yeah it's it's, it's not it's not become that thing that uh, you know i thought it was going to be at home uh, and I, that could just be because it's you know it's one of those things that leaks into your life doesn't it but it hasn't done this time around and it last time it did it almost immediately yeah and we'll, we'll, we'll come on to it later because i do want to talk about a steam deck yeah okay uh, and we had the realities uh, this is well back now but we had the realities of, we we talked about iphone or apple we're going to let you repair your own phone and they were going to mm. ship this repair kit anyway the realities of that is this repair kit is a 79 pound set two industrial suitcases effectively of equipment for you to change your battery um it costs just as much as going to the shop and asking them to do it for you uh, and you also have to put down payment in case you don't return this serious bit of kit uh, and the final kind of um, nail in the coffin was even if you put official apple parts in it was coming up and complaining they weren't official parts or something like that so it whilst they have ticked the box that that said yes we you should allow your consumers to upgrade and change their parts themselves the reality i think they almost done it as a well, this is the reality of what you're asking us to do, and it's silly. So that's we don't expect many people to do this. I, I, I guess I'd, I'd mixed thoughts because I thought it was good that they were encouraging the repairability of the devices. I think it's good that they're giving you the tools that they would use in store, so they're, they're, they're almost forcing you, we will help you do a cracking job. But it is ridiculous that if you want to replace a, you know, a glass front, you get two suitcases, and these are the... These are the kind of big industrial suitcases, and the kit that's in them is phenomenal. Just how it's how it how it works and what it does. Yeah, so I mean, I guess they're just showing the realities of what it what it is. But I I think the 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 sentiment behind in the old days what upgrading and modding used to be was the fact that the things were designed in a way that allowed you to do that. And I think that was more the sentiment of the the kind of direction rather than what they've said here is yeah we you know we're not changing the modularity of our stuff we're just allowing you to change a battery and, and not, not ideal for an audio podcast but these are two big pelican cases so the kind of likes that where you would you know a photographer would have all the lenses in and it's 35 kilos of kit it's, so it's it's not trivial at all not no not indeed anyway it does allow you to do that and there you go so if uh, dig on in uh some other stuff happened since we were last talking we had a big xbox and bethesda games show uh again they talked about all sorts of games uh upcoming in fact it, you know it was loads and loads of you know effectively the whole show was just back-to-back trailers for games so it's quite impressive the amount of stuff moving around and and in fact, they said this was only going to be the next was it the 12 months they restricted themselves to. So anything you were going to be able to play in the next 12 months was in the show. And I think they pretty much kept to that. And and one interesting thing from people was that Starfield was in the list. Therefore, uh, that means that it, theoretically it is going to be released in the, in the next 12 months. Um, uh, I think the big call out Starfield just felt like um, it felt like No Man's Sky with a bit of you know Bethesda added on top of it. I- I couldn't believe it. I was because I was, they've not shown any of it. There's been leaks, so there's been like Reddit leaks, and it's been been around with some screenshots, and and it never felt like it was going to land this year. Just just the lack of any content out for it, and it has slipped into next year. I think they're talking about February, March. Um, but yeah, I, I was on. I was honestly shocked. It was you know just it's almost like the, they looked at that and then went, oh my god, this is right. We need to do yeah. that in our game. Yeah, seen of, it, seen that it works. Some of the mechanics were just like. It was un- uncanny, Vanny. It was, yeah, yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was, uh, but and and it looked okay. You know what I mean? It didn't. It didn't look. 
I think that, that you know, it's the same with most um, Bethesda-type big open-world games like that. It's not designed to look pristine. It's supposed to be good in scenarios. The actual gameplay is supposed to be the thing that makes a hold up, and, and we won't know that for a while yet. Um, what else? Pull, I, I would pull out of it. Forza Motorsport had a fair uh, crack at the whip. Um, it showed some uh, real-time gameplay, and, and 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 yeah, and they showed. In fact, they showed the Maple Valley, which is back uh, track in all sorts of different conditions, and how they've got dynamic weather and stuff. So, it certainly looked impressive. I'm still left a little bit uh, meh in in total. I, again, by I think in games in general, but nevertheless, uh, you were a bit more impressed with the Forza sort I, of showing there. It was I, I I had to watch the kind of 4K trailer afterwards because on the stream. It was just a bit muddy, and they're like, "What? What am I really seeing here?" And I was just I'm like, "Ooh, that looks nice." But I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of like you. I'm kind of uh, just, just feel. I mean, so, so GT, so Gran Turismo just, just got, got jaded quick for me. Um, and yeah. I compare it to the kind of, you know, I compare it to the fun, um, and and like Forza Horizon, just how easy it is to get to things and do things. And GT Seven is just a grind on the menus. Like, the actual gameplay is fine, but I just find. Like, I, 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 it's almost like a mental thing. It's like the grind of having to button press your way into something, to button press your way out of something. Just get out of the way. Let me play the game. Yeah. And and I think, um, say for the for me, unfortunately, say Forza Motorsport for the last four probably, I've bought them, I've played them for two weeks max, and then that's been it. That I just have not turned them back on the yeah whether it's grind whether it's just feels a bit like a chore i don't know what it is but the forza horizon has spoilt it for me because i really enjoyed that playground environment that that's been created and uh, it seems it seems like other other you know ga- i think that's where the driving games have gone basically and i also thought it was interesting they didn't put a number after it was this like a reset you know is this is this going to be a i don't know are they going to do something kind of different round it's like a, just a you know, a continue evolving, content, you know, yeah, platform maybe. type thing, you know, rather than because I, I almost chuckle. They'll when come they, back to numbers eventually because they struggle with the marketing, don't they, when yeah, they put new content? Yeah, well, yeah. you've seen that with, you know, even Windows, you know, so Windows was never well, going to be. Well, Destiny was Destiny and Windows yeah. and Destiny 2 as well. All those kind of things that they say, we're going to remove numbers from yep. phones and handsets and so Chrome Windows, and all Windows, those kind of Windows was going back. to be a persistent thing and just, you know, regular drops. And it's now, oh, we're going to every three years, we're going to do a new version of Windows. Funny that. Yeah, they, ha- they have to to get that little boost and ch- to show that there's a significant change um overwatch 2 the long-awaited never it seems to be never coming but they're saying it's going to go into uh, beta and is available for people to do beta gameplay it's such a difficult game for them to balance it just it's forever balancing rather than the actual underlying game that we're waiting for um uh, arc 2 Woo. uh diablo 4 um another big big release we're waiting on and uh it's all looking quite smart but again it takes some ages to balance that game um so it's just one of those things that and just also, takes forever in development most of the things that we saw although they said it was the next 12 months it was next year it wasn't it yeah, wasn't this year it's it's towards is that it's towards the end of the next yeah, 12 it's months like, it's like yeah. fe- february april you know it seems to be the launch uh, window have how many times have we sat on this podcast chatted together and said it's always stuff that's coming and it's always the next it's always next year always next year and and for the last three years we've really what have we seen delivered um i guess forza horizon definitely delivered uh halo has delivered a game but it was pretty corrupted you know at its launch um and then um 
yeah, and and yeah, all these other games we've been talking about for years just just seem to still be on the horizon. It's a bit like fusion. And and the, I mean, I'm just thinking of kind of like you know big games come out this year. So you've got we had Crackdown three. Don't forget that. <laughs> but the, um, <laughs> you know, you're really leaving it. So, so Sony have got their new God of War game, and that's about I think their biggest game of the year. And that was because there was rumours that was going to slip, and I think that's been launched for November, announced for November. Um, and then you're into the people's Call of Duty's your normal yearly drop of of those kind of games. Um, it's actually quite a quiet because even Diablo. Where are the big headlines? Where what yeah. are we looking forward to right now? The yeah. Diablo even is like a 2023. You know, it was just amazing, yeah. and that was the thing that you know, and, you know, ironically, we kind of I forgot about this had happened when when we came to do these notes. But you just cast your eye it's down. It's because everything was so far along. Yep. Yeah. You know, so it's like Redfall was another one that we've talked about, 2023. You know, Hollow Knight. And again, people were like, whoop, Hollow Knight, you know, Silk Song. No Such, I'd never realised how big a game Hollow Knight, the original one, oh, was. It huge. is absolutely got a massive following. So so Edge Edge two months ago had an exclusive. So they they it was on their on the cover and you know, Reddit just popped on it and it's as, as you say it's it's got a huge following and there's so many people class that as their favorite ever ever game yep. it's nothing it's not a game that really ever entices me it's kind of reaction based it's adventuring in a kind of platforming and it's it's they never hooked me in but people just absolutely love it play it endlessly mm. okay well let's say i think we're both in that same opinion then that games is a little bit stayed at the moment we're certainly looking for the next headline uh, it will come though. Something will pop out the the woodwork and be a, a classic. And and Forza Horizons kept us going. We've just had Hot Wheels, and uh, it's you know it looks like it's going to keep me hooked for a bit more. Um, but I guess one of the bigger things out of gaming that's really coming to the fore is Microsoft is pushing on with its um its streaming concept. So you can do it all across your consoles now, and you can you don't have to download games now. You can spark a lot of them up via their cloud gaming service, and they're ultimate vision is to have dongles and integrated apps into devices that allow you just to play consoles rather than have to have one sat underneath your uh, uh you know underneath your tv and indeed they've got um samsung tvs they're going to be adding the cloud gaming into those and they've got their uh, keystone uh, dongle which you'll be able to hang from other devices and, and turn them into um gaming machines and i think that is probably the the direction that they're seeing games headed in uh I, you know i still don't see it at the end of the console but i'm I've, i'm starting to think there's less and less that i want to play on my console right now i i think there's always there's always going to be a, a market for consoles for me anyway next 10 years i can't see that disappearing you know i don't i think it's it's too far you need to go too far in the future i think to to know you know would you have the you know, would the broadband infrastructure be there? Would it, you know, with all the latency issues? With fiber to the premises becoming so big but it, and but pings it still down feels, at three. It's, yeah, but it still feels like, you know, there's still a, it still feels a long way to get that to a, you know, a, a mass market position. You know, that's why I'm saying 10 years away, you don't, you, you don't know. Um, but it feels, it feels like this is a way of, you know, taking what they've been working on from a cloud technology and saying, right, you can, you can, you know, play your game anywhere. You, know, you don't need a console. You know, so again, if you were, you know, you talked about your traveling. You know, could you take, you know, take the dongle and throw it in the telly? You know that you're that it's in your hotel room, and yep. you know, would that be good enough? And again, that's that's when I start thinking about infrastructure because the hotel Wi-Fi, unlikely, is, yeah, yeah, and that's where it starts to struggle. It's back to the you still need to be in a yeah, location with great at, infrastructure. Yeah. And 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 where my head's at is if I'm sitting sitting at, at home, 
you know, I would probably want the console there with my controller there and just all the all the things around my setup that you know good audio and the good headphones to make it the, you know as enjoyable as possible. Easy, yeah. yeah. Um talking about sitting at home then, Steam Deck. You were an early adopter. It, so so Steam Deck, um so Steam Deck I I ordered when it came out, so that was last July, which it's amazing just how long ago it was. Um, and we've done a couple of podcasts in the meantime. Uh, uh, three, I checked. <laughs> the, uh, but um, so yeah, I got my, I got the mail came through just at the start of July saying, right, that's your position. Do you want to buy it? And I'd and maybe me, I'd, I'd picked you know, top the range. So it's five hundred sixty quid, and I was like, I want this. Will I really play it? Is there a gap? You know, is it is it a gap that's going to you know fill for me? And ultimately, I just I decided to get it because even if it, even if I got it and I was like, this is not for me. eBay prices are, are huge. You know, I could easily, you know, just just say, right, not for me. You know, on to eBay. Um, or or I knew a certain um, ex podcast host who also had pre-ordered the Steam Deck, cancelled the Steam Deck, pre-ordered it again, so it was looking like November before he got his. Um, the device itself is actually really good. You know, it's the screen really good. I actually found the controls really good. Um, the fan wasn't obtrusive because your the game audio is it's, so it's not like it's not like a kind of you know monitor hum sitting in the background when you try to concentrate. It's a you know I didn't find it distracting. I played a number of games that I've got on Steam. I actually played really well. Surprised how well it played. Um, one of the things I really wanted to use it for was emulation. And again, there's People have scripted up lots of stuff already. It just makes it really easy to install. Um, and, and you kind of forget it, it's got a Steam front end. And if you're like, I don't want to do the Steam front end, and you just say exit desktop and you're in Linux. So you can Bluetooth keyboard mouse um, onto a big screen. If you, you know, it's just, it's all it's all doable. Um, the emulators worked really well. But after three, four days, I was like, I've, I've just not, I've just not got that gap. No, you said the iPad hadn't, yeah, and that's what triggered my thought. Sounds similar, yeah. Yeah, that's what triggered my thought. So you said the iPad hadn't found a way into your kind of. That's that's that was a Steam Deck for me. I was enjoying it. Actually, the game I played the most was Geometry Wars. <laughs> so that because that was in my Steam Hard library, yeah. and God was that good. I so enjoyed, it. and it just it, it it made me itch to actually just play that more. So I was kind of keeping towards my million score again, and you know I had that one next game. You know, just I need another one game. I need another one game. Um, but no, ultimately I just it great device. You know, if if you are, I don't know, traveling lots, or you know, there's there's some reason why it makes sense because you're not next to a gaming PC or you're not next to a console. I think that's actually a really you know it's a really viable option for gaming. Um, but ultimately I just couldn't see me using it after it being set up. You know, I was enjoying setting up, enjoying playing that initial game and going, ah, not, this, is, this isn't going to work for me. So, yeah, Shaq, Shaq's bought it off me and he is loving it. He's got all the emulators running and he is loving it. Um, nice. But yeah, it's, um, I think if you're on the fence over it or you could, you know, you could see there's a gap there, yes, there's a long waiting list. But um, hardware-wise, I was really impressed. Yeah, it sounds like they've nailed it. And I've, that's generally what I've seen in people reviewing it as well. They've just said, yeah, it feels, you know, it feels great. It's, it's a bit heavy. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit a, heavy. a big, it's a bit big thing. But but so, the fact that all the controllers work and everything feels nice in the hand is great. It, yeah. I mean, it's like a bigger, I mean, it's a, it's a bigger switch, a bigger Atari Lynx. If you, if you ever had a Lynx back in the day, it's that kind of big, you know, size. Um, but what impressed me the most was all the different control options all felt comfy. 
No, because yeah. I was worried it was just like yeah, you you it you was crank your wrist over to get to the thumb at the end of the no, bits. They yeah. were they were all fine. Yeah. They, they, you know, it all felt really good. even the, the the two sticks were excellent. You know, it just felt so good when I was playing geometry wars. I was I was taken back to the to to <laughs> geometry wars when I first played it in PGR, and I was just like, my God, what is this game? Yeah. So good. You you sunk many a oh, lifetime into that. Don't. Minecraft, another game that people sink many a lifetime into, but the developers are saying we ain't gonna let you sink NFTs into this and make it into a scenario where you've got people who have stuff and people who have not because they can afford or can't have it. So, uh, interesting decision from from um, Mojang Microsoft to not go down that route. Um, yeah, and some companies had already had already kind of. We're building a business around this because Minecraft is still huge. We don't talk about Massive. it, but it's still it's, huge. It's because it's not our generation of gamers, no. but it, from kids and, and even you know young adults, it's still a massive social and you know and you know environment. I think because we talked about it when it was obviously when it was ramping up, and then it was such a big thing, and then when Microsoft bought it, it kind of kept it in our you know kind of news areas, but. Yeah. It's just not, not you know, not the kind of game we put. But so yeah, there's other, the other, other businesses did built up around us, particularly one called NFT Worlds, um, and it was it was selling NFTs of land that can be used in custom servers. So it wasn't wasn't tied to an actual the, the main game, but you could easily go and buy digital content uh, as an NFT and use it within your own custom server. Um, but basically, you know, that Mojang announcement is almost killed that business so the you know the the nft world's price floor just dropped 66 percent in 24 hours after announcement um and they're obviously smart a step back was innovation it'll have a downstream effect on users in the long run this is going to be painful but there's something about nfts and and the amount of bull that's around them uh, they're, they're almost entirely um built on there are some there's some bits and bobs around nfts which are valuable but there's as meta a metaverse is showing um going back to the days of avatars and your avatar can have some designer clothing if you're willing to spend x amount of money on doing that so even in the metaverse they you know trust facebook for you know is do we want facebook and that company meta to be in control of this digital future that potentially exists uh, they're jumping in there knowing that they wouldn't get here any other way you know they, no one would vote for them to do it so they're just going to create this world and people will come and like I say we're just seeing more and more of these yeah these avatars now with designer clothes that you can go and buy to have for your, yourself in that in that environment so it is it's doing exactly what Mojang are riling against, which is creating the haves have nots in a digital world where it doesn't need to be like that. Yeah, and, and the, the bit that, that amazed me with Meta is that they're they're kind of avatar stores and avatars. They looked like was um, I'm right. It was a 360 that had these avatars, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I can't, they had a name, didn't they? I can't remember what they were called, but they yeah the the you're right. It was the Xbox 360, and you could create your own 3D avatar, and uh, they used them across various games. Do you remember that that uh, hundred to one game that they put everyone's own avatars in, didn't they? They were just called avatars. Okay. So I'm just yeah. looking it up the Xbox, the, the original Xbox original avatars. And you had the, it was rare that put it together, wasn't it? It was uh, rare yeah. that built that, and, and they put say so you could they're everywhere. And I'm looking at the images, and you would swear what I'm looking at is a meta image. Is identical. It to is the meta identical. Image, yeah. yeah. Um, except for they've got you know they've got Prada involved and you know Balenciaga and Tom Brown and and it's like ah, I, 
I can see why brands want to get involved in this because it's it's good for them because brands are all built around the fact that you assign value to a name that's attached to a bit of material. Um, And that's what they're trying to do in this game. They're just trying to assign value to a a name that exists. But I I can also see how we're building the world that, you know, the bits of the world that we're trying to rally against or it seems like there's a bit of a rally against that whole consumerism and, uh, you know, side of things but it seems like it is fundamentally uh in built in us that, that we you know we do want stuff that's exclusive anyway another thing to for me to get angry about <laughs> the uk though uh is planning to scrap the cooking and scent boxes that uh in a move that clearly is a brexit benefit um they want to get rid of all the boxes that we show up on our screens, but in Europe they will still have them. And ultimately, we are now an opt-in. Currently, we're in an opt-in scenario where websites have to ask our permission before tracking. Um, they would now like us to move back to a opt-out model, so everything will track and and collect all your data until at such point as you say, "I don't want you to do that anymore." At which point, they've already got your data anyway. Um, and that's what's in the US right now is we've seen this direction and whilst it's they may be trying to stop these pop-up boxes appearing the fact is that no one operates just in the uk when they have a website they will still have to comply with european laws um and therefore we will see pop-ups of this that and the other um because that'll just be how it works um and it just seems I, i don't know i mean the whole the whole discussion in this whole arena has been around there's been some you know bad uses of this data uh these shadow profiles these these massive organizations collecting or kind of hoovering up this data uh to a to an end that we you know don't actually ultimately have control over was shown to have an effect on um uh you know uh, elections and who runs countries and therefore there was controls put in place to try and prevent that and now it seems like we're going back away from that because it's a bit annoying to have to click accept every now and again and and it's a bit annoying, but 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 I would rather have that little bit of annoyance than, you know, going back to where we were five, six, seven years ago. The only comeback to it that I can see is the fact that browsers in general, so Apple in particular at the moment, but also the other browsers are doing a similar job for us. Notice how Google Chrome is late to the party because they're trying to figure out how do they do the same collection of data without breaking these privacy <laughs> rules that Europe put in place. So the only reason that Chrome haven't done it yet is because they're trying to figure out how do they get around it first. Um, yeah. So I'd, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think you summed it up by, you know, it's a, a Brexit benefit. So I think we're going to see a number of these things over the coming, you know, probably two, three years. Where, where Think about all those poor people in Europe having to click that button. Yeah, um, but we're going to see things over the next two, three years that I think it's just going to be branded as a, this is a differentiator, this is better for us, but it's ignoring the fact that you know, most websites aren't just UK based. You know, so it's so many of the websites. So if you actually go and ever have a look at the 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 data, if you if you search for a news story, you you'll often come up with you know hundreds of nondescript sites that give deliver you a a bit of that news story. And when you go onto those sites, if you do look into the cookies uh, that they apply, that is their whole model is a pure hoovering exercise. It is not they are not there for they're clickbait. They are getting you to follow through to a story. They are literally hoovering your data uh, so that they can collaborate and sell on. And and that doesn't seem like that, you know, that doesn't seem right. And and that's one of the things that this this has tried. You know, they, they've been moaning that their, their websites are no longer financially viable. And that's because they can't sell your data anymore. 
and that was a good thing as far as I could tell. But, yeah, mm. and we've seen that as well with the kind of Apple changing around how Facebook and or sorry Meta was, you know, could apply its little tricks in the background in iOS as well. Which which I, I actually saw an article was it yesterday or today saying it's hurting small UK businesses who used to be able to target you know very targeted local campaigns because they could get all this data which they can't get. Um, and and I can see that yep. as a you know as someone who's used those those kind of targeted Definitely. campaigns for various things, it is nice to be able to know that you're reaching the people that you're yep. interested in reaching. Yeah, and, and I mean we saw it through. I actually saw it through probably the last general election. We saw it through Brexit as well, where lots of digital campaigns could really use that that base because it was at the time you know that that intelligence to target their money. So rather than doing a problem. yeah, so rather than just doing a you know, advert on TV or an advert in newspaper with no idea if you're really hitting the mark. You are targeting the people you want to trigger or appeal to. And the regulators couldn't vet, vet what you were saying because they, these no. adverts did not appear anywhere. That was the problem. And like I say, that's where that's where the problem arises, that this data being somewhere is not necessarily an issue in and of itself. It's how it gets used. And we have shown so many times before that when there is a cookie jar there, there are so many people that cannot help themselves. They will dip in and out, including governments, including uh, you know security agencies, including people that you know don't have a right to see that data. You're right. I've so. just, you've just reminded me, I think, I can't remember if it was BBC or if it was a joint thing with like Channel for and the guardian there was some there was an organization did it at the last election and it was asking people to submit the adverts they were seeing because mm, that's right the yeah. d- journalists couldn't see you know not you know, you know they couldn't verify these yeah. stories that they were being told about what people were seeing in their, yeah. their feeds. you know yeah. you know you, you as a tory you know candidate could be putting out here's what i've put out to my you know constituents here's what i'm putting out as an advert but you've got no idea if that's actually true that's actually what comes across now and they could say anything and say it's all got complicated so another thing uh, that's going to be saying lots of things um is alexa and that is uh, basically it said that they're now going to be able to take on a, by listening to a minute of someone speaking they will now be able to mimic that person's speech so i saw this and at first i was like well that's interesting because you could be at home and it feels like somebody's talking to you but then as the headline says it'll soon be able to read Stories is your dead grandma, total black mirror, horrible, you know, keep people alive, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Well, this is it. Is it horrible? Is it not? It, I don't I know. I think it's horrible. I think it's creepy as anything. It's like, you know, and that. There is a package at your door. <gasps> Nanny? <laughs> so so that means that like all your fans, Chris, could could play back a segment of this podcast so that, that Alexa is actually reading out as you all the time at home. Why wouldn't you want that? I I tell you, I, I wouldn't want that. The the deep fake side of it is in you know is an interesting uh, thing to because they've obviously the video side of deep fakes is already there, but if they can do audio completely audio deep fakes as well. What what yeah. listeners really need is some clips of your gaming, some of your gaming audio, <laughs> just to get the full emotional kind of get the full gambit, just, just yeah. to balance. You know, you got another bloody message coming in. <laughs> get, the, get the rage and the anger and get certainly quite a few flavorful swear words that we tend to hold back on a little bit. Jeremy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Never say that. How dare you. But now you can make your Alexa say me make me say that. But yeah, it's an interesting direction. Whether it's good or bad, all in one, I don't know. But it, again, it's that AI direction of, you know, travel, which... All these things become possible, and say so deep fakes is where we really need to worry about. And having audio deep fakes, you've already seen, you know, journalists get information out of, um, 
you know famous people by using that kind of fake phone calls and if you can actually have it sound like the actual person supposed to on you know even on video calls and stuff it'd be yeah it's gonna get a bit worrying yeah the, the audio the audio kind of deep fakes are actually quite straightforward um so it's so there's even a podcast said or now you can give it text that you want it to say and it'll it's, yeah and you see you know, youtube videos with that kind of all over the place yeah. now there's youtube documentary type things which is basically reading a fact sheet and showing you some stock photos and people make quite a lot well, of money you must, have, you must have seen the tom cruise deep fakes as well where he got the tom cruise lookalike so he was very close to looking like him and then but it looks like tom cruise doing crazy things and it's like yeah no i've seen it that is you know that, that is pretty scary you know it's oh NHS app is to offer video consultations by 2024. Well, that's the uh, stipulation or the direction. The uh, ambition is that 75% of adults will be using the app by March 2024. Uh, less than half of that currently have it on their phone tablet. A lot of that was for the pandemic, but it has seen that increase um, and they would like to be able to offer uh, video consultations as a kind of, I guess, a bit more streamlined than having to visit down to your uh, local pharmacy or your local uh you know health i don't know what clinic so yeah and in general i think i, I think it's a sensible use of technology for but, a so do I, as long as it's not forced on people you know so as long as it's still an option for somebody who wants to go to do an in-person you know you know again you know think you know whether it's a sensitive issue or whether it's just you want you want to talk to an actual human or you don't have the technology or you feel it's all a bit alien um, I still think there's a place for for lots of people. They won't they won't like this, but I also think there's a place for a lot of people will like this because it's a far better use of everybody's time. We should be aware though that there is you do lose you lose some of that interaction, some of that to and fro. So you might lose out somewhere on that. I think until we had the pandemic where everyone has to work via video conference, it would have been much more resisted. But I think we can see now that people have got a bit more used to that idea of video you know face to face is kind of like video um so they uh, uh, yeah i think we should be careful that we don't lose out on some of the fidelity you get from face to face but as you say if maybe there's a uh, you know an initial video consultation and then ask you down if there's more to discuss i think that's an equally valid option but that there's always got to be the equivalent of the post office on the street you've still got to have the ability for people to visit their gp because you know, that's just, an, you know, for some people, they're not going to have a phone, an app and a tablet. No. And I'm just, and, and what you've, you've triggered a thought just well when you said about the post office in the street. So one of the things that's happening, it will be the same down in England as well. So the amount of banks that are closing and post yeah. offices that are closing. So as many rural areas do not have a bank now. You know, it's a, it's a 40, 50 minute journey to get to a bank. Um, and it will be the same for doctor services. So, um, and, that, and that's where I do think there's that benefit. I, I just think there's a, you know, sometimes if you just want to, it's almost like, you know, I've got a worry, can I just check in? And it's far, I, I think, far better use of somebody's time to say, I'm just taking 10 minutes out to go and do this call with my doctor. Right? The doctor would, I think, be able to process things far quicker because, again, you can get through things a bit quicker. No, 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 don't need to worry about that, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I just think as it, there's a whole digitization piece that's not really happened in healthcare. <laughs> It's it's unbelievable that 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 it's not we are not fully digital records, but there's yep. you can imagine the amount of uh, problems it's, with that kind of a project. It's huge, it's, and it's people huge. have tried it and they yep. keep failing, and they charge yep. a lot of money for failing. Yeah, no, um, it's absolutely it's absolutely huge. But it's, but you're 
you're absolutely right. It's a, such a to me such a fundamental thing that's not there. And I still go it back to you can't cock it up either. You no, can't but, you can't have that data and just have it leak and stuff. But I think one of the one of the benefits of COVID and there's been lots of negative, but one of the benefits has been that digital disruption. If we'd waited for this just to happen as a natural evolution, I reckon that you know this would have been probably have naysayers coming out and. Yeah, you know, decrying, you know, blah blah blah. We still, and... we still will, uh, and, we, and if they do, do start but... limiting your limits to a, a doctor or in in before you've done the app or whatever, yeah, there will be an outcry. Uh, yeah, but I, but I know, I, I, I know, and some of this is anecdotal. So, you know, one of my mum's old friends she passed away now, but she visited the doctor every week. It was like every little ailment, booked an appointment, booked an appointment, booked an appointment, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's quite a drain. You know, I'm sounding like a Tory, but there's a you know, but sometimes you know, is that a mental health challenge rather than it being a you know a general mm. GP? And that's that's when you, you know, a GP does more. You know, there's a lot of things that the GP service is doing. You know, there's a community yeah, care piece, and you know that, yeah. that that again, I think that app piece wouldn't replace. But sometimes it's just talking to somebody. It would be remiss of us not to cover before the end of our podcast the oh. Twitter saga. <laughs> um, so it's in the in the month and a little bit since we last had a podcast two months um elon musk has well he he was just buying twitter when we left off but he had already stipulated that he was not happy with the, that they could prove their five percent of users were uh, fake and not more than five percent and in the intermediate times he has repeated that claim that they are not able to sustain that or to back up the fact in, in a suitable way that that the five percent of users are bots and no more and basically he's now he even got some um some political nows on that because he's got a texas uh, um, a, a senator or someone like that involved in trying to uh, also get that information out of twitter to protect the texans from the fake uh, stuff that happens on twitter uh, and, and ultimately the, the latest is that he's not um he's not going to buy uh, twitter and now there's there's twitter have sued him um because they say he must. Boom. So, yep, he pulled out of his deal, and um, and then Twitter says, well, we're suing you. And then the latest little twist was Musk's team said, oh, you want to sue us in September? That's far too soon. Make much more sense, and we need all the time to prepare, so it needs to be like next March or April. And they've, they've decreed, no, you'll, we'll do it in October. So that he's lost his first kind of battle already, and this, I guess, is about it's a one billion dollar breakup fee. So I guess this is uh, all. But ultimately, that the difference bit. between thirty-seven billion and one billion breakup fee—it's a nice, easy bit of money if you can it's, sue it out of him. Yep. So, so Twitter, Twitter on Friday did their earnings, and they said they've spent thirty-three million already in the last three months, just just on all the legalities and dealings that they've had to do around this deal, um, which seems a heck of a lot of money. Uh, it is, but e- equally. Like I, his his point still stands, right? Twitter doesn't, or it, rather, it, it is not in its interest to tell you how many bots it has, and I think it is considerably higher than the five percent. And I think that's more the point that Musk is trying to make in this whole scenario, that they do have a bot problem, that most of the users or a lot of users on Twitter are not real, uh, and Twitter they're trying to undermine that and say no, it is five percent, and here's the reasons why. Uh, so I can see that both sides have got, you know something in their closet equally we knew it's not a new thing it's not an unknown thing and it wasn't an unknown thing when elon musk said he would buy it at the time the deal was looking good these shares went down and it's now not looking like a good use of money i, uh, I would say a billion 
pounds is a good get out clause to just get out of it. Um, and, and the reality is... <laughs> That's that, me shoving around a billion here, a billion there. Yeah, but the reality um, is the Tesla price, stock price has dropped significantly since when he launched his... So he hasn't yeah. so he got the, the same cash reserves. Um, the, 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 the Bitcoin you know, market and all that is, is absolutely crapped out as well. Interesting that Tesla last week um, confirmed that they'd sold was it 80% of their Bitcoin holding, um, but they also sold at the dip. Because if they hadn't sold at the dip, Tesla would have made a loss last quarter. So there's a mm. there's a you know I funding wise, it's in a great place. Um, yeah, maybe. And there's maybe. a little there's a there's a not a little bit there's a lot of me would like to see egg in your face, Musk, egg in your face. <laughs> guys a cock. Yeah, but, but SpaceX. The, cool. the, the guys a cock. Apple is uh is going to stream every major league soccer match for 10 years starting 2023 as you said before uh our podcast this is the sport is kind of the last thing to fall and last thing to be held um and it looks like the streaming providers are getting that as well now uh yeah so the um so major league soccer is like the, 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 the probably the fifth biggest sport kind of sporting you know um, set up in America behind like, your baseball and basketball and hockey and, and American football um, but it's still a massive deal um, and this is like a worldwide streaming deal, they'll, they'll stream every game um, and and yeah, so it'll be and again, so they're going to charge for the service, so it's, it's not all bundled into Apple TV Plus, so there'll be some some games will be shown in Apple TV Plus um, for, for free um, but you know, there's a whole thing around. If you want the whole thing, there'll be a I don't know five, ten dollars could a month probably. You know, so that that kind of usual price. Um, the interesting bit they've done: if you're a season ticket holder for one of the teams, you get the games, which I thought was a nice, yeah, nice, know, yeah. You know, like and I think that's where you're seeing it encourages people to maintain their season tickets rather than yep. just watch. Yeah, yep. You know, so and again, if you as a season ticket holder, you see all the home games and the away games. Oh, I'll go and. I'll go and watch that Apple. I'll, I'll buy an Apple device, or I'll sign up to Apple TV Plus, or I'll sign up to the service, and yeah, you clear. know, and see other things. So yeah, uh, and I mean, it's two hundred and fifty million a year, which sounds a lot, but I mean, Apple probably make that in I don't know ten minutes. You know, it's 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 like change to them if you look just look at their revenue stream. Is. The only thing is it's launching into this environment and these are the next couple of stories on streaming in general and Netflix and, and other providers. So that we have seen, it used to be Netflix was your streamer. Everyone else did their, you know, you'd Sky and Netflix and that was kind of it. Now that we've got this disparity and moving of content out into all these individual streaming services, so you've got plenty that you can choose from all asking for money. Netflix has, for the first time, seen a reduction in subscriber numbers which caused uh, you know bounce on their their valuation and shareholders not particularly happy and it's because netflix are charging more and more and more for their subscription now they they claim that they're losing out on so much money because so many people are just sharing their password between households um the problem the problem they have is that it's it's not just netflix is you know added to people's bills it's because people are subscribing to other pieces of content elsewhere now and suddenly you are getting a limit on what people are prepared to do Netflix are doing what the music industry did with sort of illegal downloads and seeing them all as full subscribers. 
when those people who are using that secondary you know uh, thing are you know they're not full subscribers they've reached a limit somewhere to how many people actually want the service and want to pay for it uh, and that doesn't mean they're going to get any more money yet they are demanding that they do get more money and they're looking for other ways of doing it now so they're saying okay um let's Let's see whether we can come up with a package which is cheaper for people. So each individual person can have a thing, but we are going to support that by ads. I'm not sure that's going to fly. I don't like that idea particularly. I hate adverts in general. Uh, and they're also looking at ways of saying, right, we know you do it and we know you currently give away your password for free. Why don't you make this official and say know, £2.50, quid a month and you can actually share that officially with your brother, sister, whoever it happens to be in that other household. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I think the thing you, you maybe didn't touch on it well. I mean, there's I mean, there's a global, a global recessions come. You know, but, but there's no getting away from it. You know, because the cost of living challenge everywhere, fuel prices high. It's going to be these kind of entertainment packages that will be the first to take a hit. Yeah. And they and they could spike when we're all at home with nothing to do. Yeah. Uh, of course, they're going to get a spike. Then they're going to yep. see a fall off as soon as people have work to go and do again. Yep. You know, so that that's just the reality of it. Um, it'll be, it'll be interesting because I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think Netflix is in trouble. I'm, I'm thinking back to remember when we were covering things like iPhone launches and, and we were like Nokia's dead, even though it was still selling hundreds of millions of phones a year. But you were like, writing's in the wall. You unless you compete with that platform, you're done. I don't think Netflix is 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 dead at all. You know, they're investing lots in content. If if anything, it. I, 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 they obviously know their strategy. The thing I find a bit odd is like you've got, you know, Apple almost doing like the kind of HBO going for quality. And I look at Netflix and there's an awful lot of crap on their service. But it's just, but, the problem, but it's all, problem is I, it's just loads of it. I, I, I But the thing is you and me are not everyone who watches Netflix, no, right? I and, know, that's, I and, that, and that's the reason. So yes, they do churn out stuff. and But just like TV channels churn out stuff, you yep. know sitcoms whilst they can be very expensive you know when you look at the figures ultimately that's churning out stuff week after week right soap is just churning stuff out week after yeah. week to fill content and uh, you know and and netflix do the same and like you i would rather they spent it on really good focused you know great stuff that i like to watch but then yeah. you know that's i'm not everyone who watches netflix and just one one thing just to kind of close off because i always turn a big streaming you know thing so, Survive to Drive in Netflix, which was their F1 kind of, you know, docudrama. That, that, so, it, so, it comes out in February, March time on the previous season. It's been huge. It's been absolutely huge for Netflix. And also, it's it, I think F1 are now admitting has driven so much new traffic and new viewers into, into Formula 1 who never watched it before. Um, so, we're just touching the previous um, story around about sports and streaming. So ESPN have just signed a new F1 deal and it's 75 to 90 million a year, which doesn't sound too bad for like F1 rights. The previous deal for America was 5 million a year. And it's a growth mm. in people wanting to watch it due to Drive to Survive. So, which is great. And Formula One has always been an entertainment, but it's still a sport at the end of the day. And you know does do you alienate your this is the balance isn't it do you yeah. alienate your heartland of people who have traditionally watched it for the sport because you have to have that drama you have to have that entertainment element and we've seen it in tennis as well which is also getting a netflix type thing and there's there's arguments that kirikos and all those they play up to it now because they know it's going to be great tv but from a sporting spectacle it turns into it turns it into some weird 
thing that it, that it really is it loses sport at its heart then it turns into just entertainment which is not the same thing yeah, yeah. so there's, there's a fine line for these sports um, it really is and i think i think probably more so for something like f1 just because of the you know it's a, it's a limited pool of drivers you know it's like you know what 20 22 drivers you know you've, you've got the team bosses as personalities and there's only maybe like two or three of those that are interested in being a personality whereas the rest are all like no you know what i mean i am yeah, a, this is a business i am a sports manager i am not here to be on tv and you know, have barbs they're not, that everybody so they're else. They're not even sportsmen; they are business people. Yeah, at the end but, but you know what I mean. But their 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 jobs to manage the team. It's not to have some cute quote. Yeah. You know, you know, you know. And to be fair, not everybody can do a Christian Horner. Not everybody can be a Total Wolf. You know, they're they're there for a reason. But they also, you know, you can see you can see the little twinkle in the eye. They know what they're doing. Um, and but it it can't can't fault. And I actually enjoy drive. So even though I've, even though I've, even though I watch. You know, even when I watch F one, and you know, it's, 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 it's I still get so much out of that program. I know you. I don't think you've ever watched it, have you? I've never, I've never watched yeah. it. And but then again, with with Formula One in general, I literally turn on to start watching the race, and I turn off as soon as yeah. the race finishes. I don't watch anything yeah, else yeah, around yeah. it because I because I like the sport of it. I don't like yeah. hearing all the the stuff. And there's some. It. To be fair, I think some of the stuff that comes out, some of it was sport related, but they very they very much they created some rivalries that don't exist. And that was a bit right. that I don't like about the series. It was, yeah. it was like they were trying to, you know, infer that this, these two were, and it's like these, these two weren't fighting at all. You've, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to create something and a, a little yeah. bit of tension and drama. Because that's how they make their money. Yeah. There you go. Um, we have filled up an hour, so I think that is a good place to uh, stop at that point. So, uh, yep, we are still here. <laughs> we will be back with another one, but. If there's anything in the meantime you want to find out about us, digitaloutbox.com, info at digitaloutbox.com. If you want to email us, digitaloutbox is on Twitter as well. I am on Twitter as Cheesy UK. Ian, where do we find you um, Website, iandick.com. And I, I was thinking that because it's like usually we say, oh, next couple of weeks, but we're in summer. Um, and it's it's usually pretty quiet through summer as well. So I think ultimately it's going to be flexible and yeah. freestanding. Well, you know, you know, you know you've, you've, you've got things you're doing. I've got things I'm doing. COVID got in the way. So these things always, happen. Always. Exactly. These things happen. We will speak to you again soon. There you go. <laughs> and if you're talking about the length of the universe, that's quite a span. Bye. Bye. Bye.